Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live from Cincinnati, Ohio, with my co-host from Los Angeles, California, Joey. No chill, pray now. Good morning, Andy. Morning. And silence. Morning. (laughs) I said good morning. You said good morning. Was I supposed to keep going? I don't know. Extra good morning to you, good sir. You know what's funny? I think that's the first time in the 780 episodes to start that quickly with just end silence. It's a Monday, man. You, we got we got to wake up a little. Yeah, I just slept like a like a like an absolute dead person. The road it wears on you. Got well, tra- back yesterday. Travel drove- travel really wears on you. It does. Eddie and I drove through the night post Saturday show in Key West. Arrived to a four a.m flight like you know arrived to the airport at 4 a.m in fort lauderdale got on a 6 15 flight was back in la by 9 a.m so got to see all the games in the comfort of my own home but in and out of sleep just if a game got boring suddenly i was like oh my god am i asleep i would have to wake up and work my sunday ticket magic to find a game that would keep me awake yeah well I, you know i always argue there's nothing better than football and naps like especially the naps where you're just out for like 10 or 15 minutes yeah where you don't miss an insane amount of the games but you, you just kind of refresh that was me all day yesterday yeah it's a good feeling uh by the way i see there seems to be some serious zoom issues today it's not connecting live for youtube i thought it was i've retried it three times but it'll be up on youtube regardless it just might not be live. So we seem to be having some Zoom issues, which surprisingly has never really happened. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, Zoom, I feel like Zoom maybe used the pandemic to grab its foothold in society. And then for some reason today, I just did the exact same process that I always do to sign on. And it opened a weird webpage that said something about payment for zoom and i'm like oh are you guys doing the apple thing now where suddenly everything's going to be slow and not working and not connecting and and also subtly you're going to be nudging me toward paying for this because i have terrible terrible news for zoom it ain't gonna happen no paying for this i mean come on you guys well, well you just well, did bait and switch during the pandemic well we do pay for it by the way you pay for it on that end. Yeah. It's not much. Yeah. It's it's to give us acts like unlimited. We, we we couldn't do certain things about it. It's not much. It's like 125 bucks for the year, like the whole year. It's it's pretty cheap. But I don't know what's going on today. It, I've hit it three times. It just it won't connect live to YouTube. So. But yeah, that's what they do. I, dude, I don't trust any of these people. Like I had to update my uh, 
what, what's it called when you get a new on your computer? Is it an iOS? It's like a, yeah. what's the, what's the main thing that takes forever? They're updating your iOS operating system. Is, is that all it is? Yeah. But it took, that's why we were a little delayed. It took a lot longer than I thought. And then as I was updating, I thought, do I even want to do this? Cause you know, in the past, I don't know if you know this and they actually, this was proven and they lost in the court of law. Apple, when you would do the iOS updates on your phone, it would purposely make the battery go worse. Right. That's some shady shit right there, man. I can see all the Android people screaming at me. And you still support Apple, Ruther? What are you doing? I still can't stand the Android. I, uh, unlike you, never think about it ever. <laughs> but why, if someone has an Android on a group text and everybody else has an Apple, why does if you send a video, the video shows up blurry for all the Apple people? I don't know. All right, I'm, I'm done. I'm done giving up. On, or I'm giving up on this to go live. Which sucks because I know there's a lot of anticipation for our Odell Beckham Jr. discussion today for the for the live people. Right. Which I just I just realized I I have his two teams in the background. It's pretty funny. I got the Rams helmet and the New York Giants helmet. That's right. You're missing a Cleveland Browns helmet. Oh, that's right. I forgot. His his stint with the Browns was so pathetic, Joe. I, I forgot those years. Do, do you want to jump into it? Do we want to just if jump you into want, it? I honestly, if if you want, I mean, you are, you know, your your Odell hate is, I mean, I think I think it's something you need to talk to your therapist about, to be totally honest with you, um, <laughs> because like I don't really, you know, I'm excited for him joining the Rams. I begged for it last week. Um, I don't know if Sean McVay and Les Snead listened to our show. But I begged for it. Um, to me, it's just, you know, he is a great example on the Browns of, of being, you know, Antonio Brown on the Raiders, Randy Moss on the Raiders, all these guys who have got found their way onto Matthew Stafford on the Lions, like all these guys who have been on in shitty, dis, like historically disastrous situations and then being judged personally for it and it's just amazing to me that that out there there are people who are who have watched Odell Beckham play and are like nah he ain't it and it's like okay well but but he's okay go ahead I want to see him specifically you know that's why I was like oh what you know why does the Saints make sense it doesn't really make sense you're gonna put him on the Saints with like a Jameis and like I want to see Odell on a team that has a competent franchise, that has a competent offense, that has a good quarterback, that has weapons where he's not asked to be the entire thing. The the my problem with the Odell haters out there are people seem to hate Odell Beckham because he's talented, he's demands the ball, he's in, he's had unlucky uh injury career and he doesn't he like aggressively doesn't like losing meanwhile i like odell beckham because he's talented 
He aggressively doesn't like losing. He wants the ball. And like, yeah, the injury thing. Okay. You know, it would be great if he wasn't injured as much as he is, but like, that's also part of the game. Yeah. Well, well, to me, he, it comes down. Well, first of all, I want to go back to last episode. I, I said, look, I was fine. I said a good place for him to go. I personally felt would be like a new England type under a Belichick, uh, uh, a Packers type with an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady, you know, where you have a quarterback an established figurehead, so to speak, coach or quarterback. I, I just don't think McVeigh's great, but my, my saying to you, cause we were texting about this Thursday off the show. And my point was as a Rams guy, as a guy who wants to see the Rams win, I felt they already had so many weapons with Cooper Cup, with Robert Woods, with Tyler Higby, with Van Jefferson. I thought they they were deep enough at those positions that they didn't need to throw in anybody. But like, that's but that's the equivalent of saying, you know, being a Bucks fan and being like, I don't want Antonio Brown. They already have Mike Evans. They already have Godwin. They got Gronk to come out of it. But the difference is Cameron Tom Brady, Brady for me. That's the difference. The difference is Tom Brady versus how so? Matthew Stafford. How so? Tom Brady has a history of getting guys to buy in. I mean, Randy Moss's career completely changed when he goes from the Raiders to New but, England. And but here's the here's my thing. I know everybody wants to say, you know, Bill Belichick is the bad attitude whisperer, and Tom Brady gets. Why aren't we just looking at it as? the Raiders have been where a million players have gone to die. Like the, the judging that we give, I feel like we give a ton of credit to the Belichick's and the Brady's of the world. Instead of just being like, Oh, you took an undervalued guy off a team that ruins players and put him on not a team that ruins players. And suddenly he was talented again. Like this is the issue with my Odell Beckham, the people who hate Odell Beckham. How have the Giants been since Odell Beckham left? I, I don't hate Odell or, Beckham. Worse. The Giants have been worse. My 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 gripe with Odell Beckham. Who's the who's the player that did left the Browns and got worse? But my gripe with Odell Beckham is this. He had two awful exits. Let's be honest. The two exits from two different teams that were not pretty. Right? Two teams that I believe I mean, it's been proven with the Giants didn't get better. And the Browns, again, historically terrible mismanaged franchise. I believe you have two shitty organizations, at least recently for the Giants and historically with the Browns that are using a receiver who hates losing and wants the ball as a scapegoat for their mismanagement. What, 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 what is this receiver who hates losing? Where, where is this coming? Well, from? the issue has never been, there's no teammates openly criticizing Odell Beckham ever, ever. There's no arguments with, you know, the coaching staff. There's no, whatever. There's just a guy who doesn't like losing and kicks a net. And, you know, gets gets aggressive with uh, Norman in a loss. And it's like, so all we have are outbursts when well, why, he's not being successful. Why not, were, 
Why were Not his demanding. exits? Why were his exits so bad though in New York and Cleveland? Like, like when his dad releases that video, Baker Mayfield claims he never called him. But Odell could have done damage control, and who says Odell doesn't okay that video going out there? We yeah, don't. Who know. says it? We yeah. we don't know. All, all I, I know is this. I'm this not, I'm, by the way, I'm not criticizing. It's like my my issue with the Browns is like, why does Odell Beckham have video of him being wide open not, and not getting the ball? Why does that video exist? Well, well, this is what it boils down to for me. This is what it boils down to. Obviously, well, first of all, Robert Woods' injury completely changes that. But here, that this is my question for you. Why? You are on the record of saying he makes teams worse and he's a cancer. I think. So then how does Robert Woods being injured or not injured affect either Odell Beckham's a cancer or he's not a cancer? Odell Beckham, it's it's more worth the risk at that point. You're getting a high talent guy to be a third wide receiver is just as great as you getting a high talent guy to be a second. I would almost argue if you think Odell Beckham is a cancer, you'd want him to be a, a, a guy who's just getting a, a little run, not suddenly being your second most important receiver behind Cooper cup. So this is how I would do it. And, and clearly Sean McVay doesn't agree with me and that's fine. And you don't agree with me. I would assess the risk, the risk reward with someone like Odell Beckham jr. Statistically speaking, the last three years, he's not worth any sort of risk for me. So that would be, that would be what, you know, Bill Belichick would pounce on, on a Randy Moss on the Raiders and being like, Oh, he's a terrible fucking franchise and no one wants him. Yes. I would like him to set every receiving record next year with Tom Brady. So statistically speaking, since 2019, Odell Beckham is a hunt. I mean, these are some wild numbers. He's a hundred out of all wide receivers since 2019. Now I know he was injured, so he's only played 13 games, but look, you got to play, right? So the most important stats for a receiver are yards, receptions, and touchdowns. Since he joined the Browns, he's 134th in the NFL in yards. He's 68th in receptions, and he's 101st in touchdowns. By the so, way, that's why he hates the Browns. <laughs> that's why he wants to leave the Browns. That's why he's putting out videos of him being open and not getting the ball. Because so, so, people, so my counter to that. Because people are looking at his raw numbers and being like, bro, you're 100 and whatever. And he's like, I understand that. Here's me wide open and Baker fucking throwing it out of bounds. Okay. Now, I would counter that. Again, if, if I'm saying, look, you, you're just not producing. You're Antonio, wide receivers are going to be head cases. Like Odell's nothing, you know, the drama, the sideline stuff. Like he's nothing new. I'm not, you know, I'm not acknowledging that, oh, he's an outlier. He's not. They're, they're a dime a dozen. We both agree right. to that. We have but, Randy Moss screaming in the face of, you know, Dante Culpepper. We have Tara Owens. Yeah. We have Ocho Cinco, Antonio sure. Brown. I mean, I mean, the list goes on and on. There's a history of receivers acting this way. So he's not an outlier. And I'm uh, not uh, Well, he's an outlier in that he's not acting that way. He's not screaming in quarterbacks' faces on the sideline. And he's not. But he also hasn't produced in a career. Like, if you look at his eight-year career, he's played eight years now. This is his eighth season in the NFL. My argument would be we can disagree whether he's cancer or not, and we clearly do disagree. My argument is he statistically is not producing enough to take that risk 
when you have a healthy Robert Woods and a healthy Cooper Cup and all the guys that the Rams have. That's my argument. Now, obviously, Sean McVay completely disagrees with me. You disagree with me. That's fine. That's all I'm saying is, is yeah, Antonio. And I, and I would say, and I would say this, you know, in the less need Sean McVay era, they've acquired Sue, Watkins, Cooks, Talib, Peters, Ramsey, Stafford, Von Miller, OBJ. OBJ is suddenly the outlier fall fail acquisition. Everyone else, the exception of again, Brandon Cooks, who played well for the Rams, but another guy who is, you know, concussion injury prone. All those, all those other guys are have been absolute home run acquisitions. No denying that. I'm just saying, I don't think, and you brought up the Browns in those two years of him not getting the ball. The Brown, those, these are the two of the best recent Browns teams in, in memory, though, as well. And, and Yeah, because they're super talented. Also, they're five and five. They are. I have the Browns starting the year as an AFC championship game appearance. I now no longer think the Browns make the playoffs. And the reason I don't think that is because the Browns have talented wide receivers. They don't get the ball to. Well, I think and, the they, Br- and, and the thing is, let's not like we're not going to criticize. Our commercial poster boy who from week to week can be great and terrible. We're going to use the, the wide receiver who's tweeting out videos or whose dad is tweeting out videos of him being wide open and commercial boy not throwing him the ball, we'll use him as the scapegoat. Yeah, but look, we need I, to get rid of him. But I, I, I don't think, well, well, first of all, no one's debating the hot and cold play of Baker Mayfield. He's very off and off. Well, actually, I would say that people all have been debating it as it pertains to Odell Beckham for years now. You were doing it yesterday. You're showing the stats they're 14 and 15. The woo, the, the incredible 500 record, you know, that they have without him. By the way, they're 500 right now. They're 500 with him, and they're a whopping eight and five without him. And the and the tweet you responded to was again, Odell Beckham is gone. Last week they blow, they have a blowout win, and everybody goes, see, this is what we're talking about. But no one does it this week. No one does. Who's What's the problem? Who's the cancer in the locker room that keeps the Browns as suddenly a mediocre team that one week looks great and the next week looks terrible because the scapegoat is now gone. But, but again, Joe, I, to, to me, it's not worth even potential trouble for a guy that in the last three years is 134th over. But yeah, th- but you're, but you're ignoring you're So you're simultaneously taking issue with his stats and taking issue with him saying, here's me wide open, not getting the ball. I'm taking issue with a guy who just, he doesn't play enough. Hence, his stats are so low. Like, dude, you're... He's in I mean, his, he, he's over 7,000 career receiving yards, and he's in his eighth year. So he's averaging 1,000 receiving yards a season in his eight years. But he's, dude, he's not, he doesn't, perf- he, he's so, like, he's statistically injury prone you're not on the field, man. You're just not on the field enough to be worth any potential trouble. That's what I'm saying. But what is the, tr- again, what is the trouble that we're speaking of? So we're speaking of now we're talking about, so he doesn't play. Okay. So the, the Rams just got him for a song because he clears waivers. And now what Trump, 
So now so, he's so, his so let me ask is you this. Is there this conspiracy that he had two large exits, so to speak, from two different organizations? Like, is this some conspiracy against Odell? Yeah, but, I would argue it is. So you, you think there's this this conspiracy on the Giants and now on the Browns? So now we can't we're, we're definitely not arguing that Odell wasn't performing on the Giants, right? That's not part of anybody's argument. Correct. He was performing when he played. Right. He got to play, man. Well, he was performing at historic levels when he played. With the Giants. See, here's the thing. He's outspoken in his voice and in his actions when teams are losing. I like that. I like that. No one cares that the Giants have stunk since Saquon Barkley got there because he just quietly goes through rehab and he's not kicking nets when they're losing. Does anybody think that the Giants are better without Saquon Barkley? Do you think the Giants are better without Saquon Barkley? Who's injured? Yeah. Do you think that they're better? They've won two games this year without him. They've won one game with him. Do you think they're better without Saquon Barkley? Well, I, I would like him on the field if I'm a Giants player, but I'm but also my, very but my question about is, do you do you think that they're better without him? I, w- I would argue they're not better without him. Okay, well, they're nine and twenty-seven with him and nine and eleven without him. So you're a flat earther. I also those are those are, those well, are facts. But, you're but, a flat but, earther. But but the, these are these are a lot of these are apples to oranges comparisons. I would argue the same thing with Saquon that I've said all along about these guys. I never would draft a running back. I just would never draft a running back that high. I would. But but that's neither here nor there. They did. And no one in their right mind, regardless of their record, regardless of the fact that they have the same amount of wins without Saquon in half as many games as they do with him, no one in their right mind thinks they're better without him. I think that for me, again, it just boils down to the risk-reward assessment of a guy. What is the risk? That he's going to get really angry on the sidelines when they're losing? But but again, Joe, you, you know, he, he's a wide receiver. And like I pointed to earlier, historically, wide receivers, we have a history of divas. But he's not, he's not, he's not those guys. He statistically, he's not a Randy Moss. He's not a Terrell Owens. He's not an Antonio Brown. He's just not. He, he doesn't, he did not, he has never performed at that consistent rate over a long period of time in his career because he's too injury prone. Therefore, my sense is saying, why was it so bad when he left New York? Why was it so bad when he left Cleveland? Therefore, I don't take a flyer on him. That's fine. Obviously, Sean McVay disagrees and he's a lot smarter than me. So, so there's a good chance it'll work out. I'm just saying I, when Robert Woods was healthy, right when they made the trade last Thursday and Robert Woods gets injured Friday. I personally don't want to bring him on the field because we already my, my, have so this many, is, but this is, but this is honestly, I hate to say it, but this is my problem. This is just, this is un. like there's, there's absolutely no information. This is just media. Like this is the media hot take about Odell Beckham. What is the baggage? All his team, the the league league wide guys are wearing free OBJ jerseys. That doesn't mean all, anything to me. All the te- he, all his teammates he, he, his, he historically, has a whole, 
his teammates love him. How do you think Eli really feels about him? Because Eli's not. I don't know, but post the but post little Wayne interview, Eli's holding him in the air. Jennifer Gray and Dirty Dancing style for a Super Bowl commercial. Yeah, but I but Eli's also the type of guy. Eli's a you know I would call him a pretty classy guy as far as he's not going to throw guys under the bus. That's just not okay. There's a difference between not throwing guys under the bus and dirty dancing with him. He did a Super Bowl commercial with him. Yeah. Why do you think? Let me ask you this then, as a Giants guy. Yeah. Why do you think that exit was so ugly for him in New York? Well, what was ugly about it? That they traded him? Why did they want to just get rid of him? Because they're shit. And here's the thing. And, you know, I really don't want to, like, be on the record doing it, but like, look at the, look at the post Wellington Mara Giants era. This is a debacle. Shermer, McAdoo, Gettleman, the current leadership there has a track record of being awful, awful. I mean, historically bad, historically bad. And instead of newspapers, writing articles about the time the Giants were historically bad and the NFL forced them to take on George Young as their GM, which turned around the team, or the time where Ernie Accorsi said, I want all decision-making power, and they turned around the team. Instead of teams talking about, oh, when this power, when, when this, when these people are in power, unless somebody comes in and saves them, it's been historically disastrous the media likes to write since these guys were on a boat it's been historically disastrous it's insane and so instead of saying instead of looking at the guy who said there's no room for taunting in our league and uh, over my dead body will i have colin kaepernick on this team and being like hey uh I hate to say it, but some of your decisions seem to be biased in one sense or the other. Also, this entire time you've been in charge, your team has been terrible. Is anybody surprised you're throwing your flamboyant black receiver under the bus and hiring the old man GM that everybody says the game has passed by? Well, okay. so we have we have your opinion on the New York situation. I would argue the Browns have only been headed in the right direction the last few years. That's right. The Cleveland Browns have been so historically bad that if you're a Cleveland Browns fan right now and you're five and five, you are jacking off onto your own chest. But you but, talk about but, Bengals fans being held hostage. But but hold on, hold on. You can't argue that the Browns, the last few years, they're on a better dude. They're five and five. They're, they're they look like shit yesterday. They looked great last week against Cincinnati. As we know, it's a week to week league. All I'm saying is. The Browns look good right now as far as they're... By the way, for the Browns looking good, the Browns right now, today, are closer to the New York Giants than they are the Los Angeles Rams. Okay, that's, that's fine. But 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 my point is, dude, all I'm saying is... this is, let, me get, let me get my point out there. All I'm saying is the Browns the last few years are playing much better football. They beat the shit out of 
the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road in a playoff. But game. you're doing exactly well, you are you are doing hold, exactly hold the second. opposite of what you do for the Bengals. The Browns are in last place, bro. The Browns, the Browns also, are four of four. No, Joe, the, the difference between the Browns and the Bengals, the Browns want a fucking playoff game. Against yeah, their but you're also you're also going this year. It's they're they're in last place. They're behind the Bengals. But let me finish my point. My point is the last overall, the last couple years, they seem to be making the right decision. They seem to be. Now, is the quarterback still a question mark? Yes, I agree. I agree that the quarterback is a giant question mark for the Browns. But have they made some good, sound decisions? I would agree. Yes. Was Stefanski a good hire? I think so far it looks like yes. My point is. They also who an organization who seems to be making right decisions also cut ties with him. I would argue if you are 10 games through a 17 game season and you're in last place, that the people who are arguing you are making good decisions are assholes. Again, they won a playoff game on the road last year. They took the Chiefs. They gave the Chiefs all they could handle in Arrowhead in the second round of the playoffs. You, you can bring up last place. There's nine games to play. A lot can happen. Sure. And I think they missed the playoffs because I like them as an AFC championship game appearance when they have talented players. And now when they can't put together two wins in a row, instead of saying, hey, you know, this is what's happening with Baker Mayfield. They're going to say, let's get rid of this wide receiver that we don't like. Dude, but, but but you're being so again. You're it, it, that is a hot take. It's so critical of a no, awful a hot take. An awful performance is the, in New England. A hot take is the last place team in the AFC North is turning things around. Last year they were in the they they won a playoff game. This year they're in last place. Things are looking up. It's it, it's yeah. Things are looking as an organization. Things are looking up. If you look at the history of the Cleveland Browns. The last few years, including Dude, we are this two year, weeks removed from the Bengals being in first place, and you saying this is every other year, and now the Browns are in last place, and this is the organization is turning things around. Yeah, Joe, it is every other year because the Bengals have a history the last fifteen years, as I've documented, I think very well on the show, of having great starts, of having excellent regular seasons, but not winning when it matters. Yes. The, the, so therefore I'm not, ju- I am judging and the Browns the- have a history of taking guys very high overall. Cause they always have a high draft pick. Those players stinking for them and going on to be good elsewhere because the Browns are one of the worst managed organizations in all of professional sports. I agree. The Browns have been completely my number one thing for a player that the Browns release is let's get him right now. He's probably really good. They have been mismanaged, but again, like I don't know why we're arguing this. The, the Browns have completely. Well, we're not arguing, and we're we're arguing the idea that like we're going to judge. This is the, this is the equivalent. You're a guy who's judging Randy Moss after his Raiders stint and being like, "Don't want him." It's like maybe it's just the Raiders. Odell Beckham is not Randy Moss. This is where we don't. I don't know how we're not going to. Guess Odell what Beckham, though? If he you doesn't look have at- the he doesn't have the numbers, dude. At the end of the day, Odell Beckham does not perform well enough. He just doesn't. The numbers don't lie. He's 134th in yards the last three years. He's a hundred. He has eight touchdown catches the last three years, dude. You're not worth any even potential trouble for me. That's all I'm saying. You're not performing well enough, dude. For me, you're not. Sean McVay, he might crush it with Sean McVay. Obviously, I'm not Sean McVay. 
I'm just saying you're not performing well enough. And, and there's a reason he went. And to that's LA. what somebody would say with two years of Randy Moss in Oakland scoring 11 touchdowns total. But that's not what someone would say. I think I think Randy Moss is a better talent than Odell. Well, Randy Moss is one of the greatest wide receivers of all time, who Odell, when he was on the New York Giants, was pacing historically. Was, was, dude, he fell right. off. And, and was, was, exactly, was, was, Randy Moss was, was on the Minnesota and then stunk on the Raiders. Like, we're acting like this hasn't happened a million times over the years. Dude, we're Od- acting like it didn't happen to the quarterback of the Rams, who everybody said, not a winner. Shit, get him out of there. Garbage, refresh, Stafford, the same thing. We're judging guys on the win-loss record of terrible organizations. Matthew Stafford, suddenly not a Matthew Stafford still needs to win a playoff game too, man. Like, yeah. like I, I think he's good. But again, all this regular season shit, especially with quarterbacks, doesn't mean anything. Dude, you, got, you still got to win playoff games. And, and, and we don't know. Like, the... It's still out on Matthew Stafford. You have all the pieces. You're an MVP candidate. You're playing great. Dude, you got to win when it matters. To me, that's all that matters and all this stuff. But th- but then but then it's like, why not? Why not keep Jared Goff? You got to the Super Bowl. It's honestly judging players on your team's win-loss record might be the dumbest shit ever. It might be that, like arguably the dumbest way to ever. That's literally how players. we judge players. No, it's literally not how we judge players. That's how we judge teams. That's how we judge franchises. What does everyone bring up when they have the the GOAT quarterback discussion? The GOAT quarterback discussion, as far as who is the greatest of all time, is a completely different conversation than how you're judging the talent of a player. Do you judge Eli by his two playoff runs? No, I judge him by his entire the entirety of his career. Yeah, yeah, yeah but hold on. Do you judge him by going eight no in those two playoff runs though? That's what core of you're talking about wins and losses. What you're now core? you're now you're now arguing Julian Edelman is better than Randy Moss. No, what I'm arguing is that's what you're arguing. What I'm arguing is is the playoff runs are important and wins and losses are important. Certainly right? not to a wide receiver, maybe to a quarterback. But you you have this. You, Randy you know, Moss you, has zero career Super Bowls. You call me an Odell hater. I'm just saying statistically, he's not worth potential trouble. Like, I think but, that's uh, listen, you could say statistically, he's not worth this amount. You could say statistically, he's not worth this amount. Hold on. You could say statistically, he's not worth this amount of money. Statistically, he's not worth this many draft picks if you were going to trade him. Statistically, he's not worth They didn't do any of that. The trouble. What's the trouble? I don't think he's that good. That's the trouble. What's the trouble? The trouble is he might get really angry if they lose. Give me those guys. That's fine. You can take that guy. I don't want to. But here's the problem is the trouble is. We don't. We what is the trouble? What's the trouble? I don't think he's. We don't have him screaming in fucking quarterbacks faces on the sideline. We don't have him blowing off practices. We don't have him skipping games. We don't have him beating his girlfriend in the street like Antonio Brown. We don't have him with a gun charge. We don't have him drunk driving. We don't have trouble. This is the problem with Odell Beckham. Everybody has made it as if there is trouble. What is the trouble? His teammates like him. Why? What is the trouble? He had two awful it's not just coincidence that he has just two shitty exits from two different organizations that's all i'm saying 
That's he the trouble. Traded. He was traded by a team that stunk and has not gotten better. Correct. And now he was released by a team because he said, hey, your commercial boy quarterback is literally missing me open. That's the trouble so far with Odell Beckham. This argument that there's some conspiracy to. There's not some conspiracy. This has been happening historically all the time, all the time. Terrible fucking run franchises blame the players instead of blaming themselves. Instead of saying it's us, we fucked up. Historically, this has happened all the time. I think that Odell Beckham Jr. chose the Rams because ultimately I really don't think you and we'll disagree. I don't think he gives a fuck about football. I think he wants to be in L.A. and I think he's boys of LeBron and LeBron has his production company out there. And Odell the Rams has his, weren't even on his list. And Odell has his sights set on other things. Wait, 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 wait. So hold on. So now I, you're hold on. Let me ask you a question. You're you believe when the list comes out as Patriots, Raiders, Saints, Packers. You believe that was a lie? I think that for a... Uh, hold on, I'm asking you a question because we, everybody knew LeBron to LA forever for the thing. Are you saying that, that when those reports come out, that's a lie and secretly he wanted to go to LA the whole time to be a movie star? I think... Oh, I'm not saying movie star. I think it, it's good for his career. If, if he wants a post-career, it makes sense in the entertainment world or doing, you know, you know, LeBron's his biggest champion and LeBron's always tweeting free Odell and making Instagram posts about that and make, leaving comments because they're boys. And LeBron's his number one cheerleader. And obviously LeBron's in LA and LeBron has so much clout in that world. I think it does make sense for a career move. That's all I'm saying. The reports are, by the way, after he put out his list of teams that he wanted, which did not include the Rams, the reports are Odell's final two teams came down to the Rams and Packers who remained his preferred destination. Not once did Odell feel like Green Bay was all in. On the flip side, he spoke with Sean McVay, who was able to creatively detail the multitude of ways he'd use and maximize OBJ's talents. So we could say, we could hypothesize Odell doesn't care about football and came here to work in LeBron James production company. Or we could take the reports are he never wanted to go to LA and only went to LA after the coach called him and told him how he was going to use him. Look, man. And, are- and to be honest, that's what it all comes down to with Odell Beckham. For some reason, people literally Create a narrative. You have created a narrative that he created. doesn't care about football and came here to work in Hollywood when the when Schefter and all the other people and Rappaport and all the other people are reporting he never wanted to go to L.A. And only because McVeigh wanted him so badly is he in L.A. I'm saying it makes a smart career move for him. I'm hypothesizing. I don't know. I don't have any evidence. Agreed. I don't have any evidence. I'm just tossing out that idea. But I'm also basing, again, my argument is just based on his performance on the field the last few years and that he has had two bad exits from two different NFL organizations. That's all I'm basing it on. You don't produce enough to have your dad sending out videos and now you're getting the whole team involved. You, like, that's right. You don't produce enough for you just your don't dad produce enough. putting out videos explaining why you don't produce enough. And also, 
Well, first of all, that, that video, and I already said this on the show, there's, there's times where he's open. There's also times where Baker's getting chased. Like that, that video is one of those things. I, I don't know what the right call is on each of those plays. If you watch that video, it's a 10 minute video. And there's times where you're like, yeah, he should have maybe gotten the ball there. And there's other times where you say, okay, Baker just had a shitty pass or Baker's getting flushed out in the pocket. That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying is the Browns, in my opinion, are better off with not having to deal with him. And yesterday it proved it. Well, the week before they crushed the Bengals on the road. Again, it's a week to week league. They, they waxed their division rival on the road. Then they get their ass kicked by new England on the road. It's a week to week league. I don't think they, they need him and they don't need all that drama. That's what I'm saying. And, and I stick by it. And it doesn't mean that he can't flourish the on the thing. Rams. They, what they do need, what they do need is a mediocre quarterback who hasn't proven statistically that he belongs doing 5,000 commercials. That's what they need. I mean, you're obviously, you, you because he was drafted by the Giants and he had No, some- I, my problem is everybody seems to hate Odell because Odell wants the ball and hates losing. We don't have the stories. I don't care. I also about, think you talk about me. Everybody me. talks about the thing. You did this with Odell and Antonio Brown. It was like, he's a diva and this guy's not. He's the one out there beating his girlfriend with a moving truck. Like I, I never the, said Antonio, the, the, but Antonio the bottom Brown's, line. But the bottom line is Antonio Brown fucking produces, dude. I don't care what he does. How did he produce field. on the Raiders? He produces. How did he produce he, on the Raiders? Well, he got suspended. Right. And because he burned his feet off in a fucking thing. And then he crushes uh, him statistically. Antonio Brown shits on Odell's numbers. And he has. So does Randy Moss. So does Terrell Owens. Dude, we can go on. He's not in the list of greats. Dude, I can name fucking 15 other receivers off the top of my head that I want ahead of Odell Beckham Jr. That's fine. And so could you. That's and that's fine. But your argument is no team should take a flyer on him because he brings the drama of wanting the ball and not losing. No, I said I specifically said I think teams with the right coach quarterback. I don't know if Sean McVay is that guy. Maybe Sean McVay is that guy. But the the bottom line is you can say all you want, but you can't end. You can't throw in at the end the baggage when there is no baggage. Again. Clearly, there is issues with him if he left two teams pretty abruptly in shitty fashions. You want to you want a list of the players that have abruptly left the Giants in the last few years because they're one in whatever, and they suddenly start trading off Olivia Vernon and and Janoris Jenkins and Odell Beckham and this guy and this guy and this. And the Giants suck. The Giants yeah, the, have sucked every single high draft pick and every single high free agent signing that they had. They eventually moved. Justin Pierre Paul, the baggage. He fucking blah, blah, blah. He blew up his fucking hand. That's baggage. By the way, he won a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Bucks because other teams go, your organization sucks. We're going to take guys that you undervalue and we're going to bring them on our team to win because you guys suck. And that's fine, Joe. And, and again, I, I've cited the Bucks as an organization with a quarterback that I think can get people to buy in and a system. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing that some of these organizations aren't shittily run right now. But again, my, my thing on the Browns is that I would argue, and they are, it's not really an argument. They, they are trending upward as an organization over all the last three years. If they thought it was, well, I, would, I would say that they're at least trending even because that you can't trend. 
You can't trend down from last place where they currently are. Like, like you, 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 keep, you, you keep bringing down. up this last place. Dude, I'm talking about the last three years overall. Of which Odell hasn't performed. He just hasn't. He's 134th in the NFL of all wide receivers. Dude, you're not even playing. And when you are playing, you're dropping fucking passes like you do against the Chargers. Well, here's, I guess we're going to find I guess we're going to find out who's a better judge of talent, Andy Ruther or Sean McVay. And I guess we're going to find out pretty soon. I guess we will. And, and Sean McVay is without a doubt a better judge of talent than me. I'm just saying I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. And I'm just saying I called for it last episode, even though it wasn't on his list. I said the Saints. The Patriots go to the Rams, go to the place everybody goes when their teams don't like them and they see value in you. Go be bad. Go be the wide receiver of Matthew Stafford. Hey, man, I, I hope he crushes it tonight because I got the Rams covering the spread. I hope he has 100 yards and they win by four points or more. I hope he crushes it. But the truth is. I don't think he's going to come and, and just blow it up. I just well, don't. I don't think he's going to come and blow it up week one, but I it's, have it's, a as feel, far as statistically, he, he comes week one here on half a week on Monday night football against San Francisco. They'll probably have a couple of designed plays for him. He'll probably get three catches for 45 sure. yards and then they have a bye week. And then, yeah, dude, I think he does crush it the rest of the season. And look, provided he stays healthy, which by the way is just what it is. I'd be lying if I would, I'd be lying. And I told you this over text. If I don't think that, look, now that Robert Woods is down, they need a guy. Now I would argue he is more of a risk because they don't have a guy. So things change with injuries for sure. But again, the bottom line is his risk, the risk of getting him doesn't change. If you're one of these people who has created the narrative that Odell Beckham is a locker room cancer, then the risk doesn't change. If he's the first wide receiver, the second wide receiver, the eighth wide receiver, it doesn't matter. The fear for no reason whatsoever is that Odell Beckham's teammates hate him and that he is a locker room cancer. I've never said his teammates hate him. I, I think there's definitely something there with him that has led to just two bad exits. That's all I'm saying from two organizations. And to me, him not reaching out to Baker Mayfield when that video is released says a lot about Odell. Even if he, even if he agreed with his dad releasing it or didn't have a problem with that happening, he didn't even attempt well, maybe uh, per perhaps that was his to squash it, that. It sure, fire. it sure seems like the strategy was this is how we get out of here. And I'm not going to lie. If I'm Odell Beckham Jr., I don't care if I murdered Baker Mayfield's cat. I just went from Cleveland and the Browns to Los Angeles and the Rams. That's the best move anyone's ever made in the history of fucking sports. Well, I can't wait to see how it plays out. I will have my popcorn ready because this is a crazy year as we've documented. And I think yesterday got even wilder with the Cardinals losing. The Packers winning. The Packers now take over that first place slot in the playoff position in the NFC. 
the Rams are going to be right there. And I think we both agree how important it is for the Rams or the Cardinals to win that division. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Because it's it's going to be a shame. To be honest, I actually hate that one of those two teams has to have basically go on the road. It's kind of sucks. One of the because those teams, I, you know, I'm just projecting. Those teams are probably gonna have 13 or 14 wins. Yeah. And it sucks that one of them is gonna have to go on the road. I still think, and this and me being an Odell Beckham fan helps. I mean, Robert Woods going out for sure hurts them with the addition of Odell Beckham or not. I still believe more in the Rams than I do in the Cardinals. And I agree. I agree with you. I agree with that. I believe more in the Rams, and I think they have the experience and obviously a coach who's been to the Super Bowl, and they have a veteran quarterback, and Kyler Murray's now missed back-to-back weeks. I agree. I think the Rams are. You know, the Packers, I'll say this much about the Packers. If you're a Packers fan, the last three QBs they faced are Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes, and Russell Wilson. Two of those on the road. Their defense only gave up 34 points against those three quarterbacks. Now, the offense didn't look that good yesterday. The Packers are really coming on strong. If they can play defensively how they played yesterday, they are going to be a tough out for anyone. Yeah, Yeah. because that's the thing. They've always relied on their offense has to score 40. And, you know, the last few years, especially in the playoffs, it's like, they're again, they're playing, they're going against good teams, the pass rush and whatever, and they can't get their offense quite going as, as they would in terms of like, Oh, let's blow a team out fashion. And therefore they're out of the game. And I agree, but that's just football in general. You need that, that defense show up now, you know, conversely, it's like, you know, Russ comes back week one after an injury and they get shut out. So it's like, yeah, the Kyler Murray is a, a game. You know, the game that they they win, that was a Thursday night football game. It's like, but I agree with you. I need, the Packers just need to keep playing this kind of defense because that's how you win championships. Because they have the quarterback to do it. They have a they have an offense that can get it going. Yeah, and, I, and obviously it's coming off an injury, but that was that was Russ's, I would argue that was his worst game of his career. He played terrible, and he, and he said so. And those two picks were awful. And... And, and that's actually another reason that that I like him is is he he took the blame for it, and and he owned up that those were two bad picks, and that's that's on him, and it's the first it's the first time he's ever been shut out. But I'm not he didn't he didn't blame his finger, and I'm not either. I, I'm going to give credit to the Packers defense, and I think they looked really good. And just like the Packers defense, there's some other teams that where defenses are coming on strong, which to me changes things in the NFL like the Chiefs defense has played really well the last few weeks yeah if the if the Chiefs defense can just be a middle tier defense or even a bottom 12 you know that's that is inevitably how their team is built right you can't give your quarterback 500 million dollars and have the highest paid tight end and have Tyreek Hill and have whatever and still put out on the field a league's best defense. So this is part of their strategy, but their defense has been so, so bad. And, you know, now we're seeing their offense, surprise, surprise, start finding some things and start moving the ball and having extended drives. And 
listen, we had, we have Patrick Mahomes through however many years in his career. Certainly. I mean, it's certain we've certainly seen through the years, the lucky breaks that he has gotten. And it seemed like they all counterbalanced in the first half of this season. So now you need, it's like, you need him to be better. You need him to protect the ball more and you need everything to balance out in terms of luck and the ball go, you know, bouncing in the right direction. But this, you know, they go out there last night, the defense plays well and they score 40 points. That's how the chiefs win games. And shocker, the chiefs are now in sole possession of first place in the AFC West. Yeah. And the way the other teams are playing, they, they're, they're just playing better. Yeah. Listen, the Broncos, I don't know, have given up or whatever. The Raiders have absolutely fallen apart the last couple of weeks. And then you have the Chargers, which to me, I still think are the single most disappointing team in all of the NFL. This is this was primed to be a Chargers division when you have the the same like the Chiefs coming out the way they did was your only opportunity. And they didn't take a combo of them just being mediocre and not pouncing when the champs are down. Chargers are so inconsistent and they're disappointing to watch. They are, you know, Jefferson just destroyed them yesterday. Watching that game, it's very frustrating. He, he lit them up and, and Herbert is not having, he's having a soft, I'll call it a somewhat sophomore slump. He's not playing as well as he did last year. They don't perform when they have to. They lose to bad teams. They do. Line. They lose to bad teams. Well, and, and they have, you know, it's funny. They have, they have zero. They have zero, and we already knew this because I'm one of those people who sells the tickets. They have zero home field advantage. Right. They're two and three. They're two and three at home, three and one on the road. They're, they play better on the road. There's zero home field advantage for them. The Chargers are very disappointing. I couldn't agree more. Five and four. You got to win that game last night, yesterday. You just, you I mean, gotta... they, lose, they lose a home game to the Vikings. They squeak out a win against the Eagles. They lose a home game against the Patriots. They get absolutely shit on by the Ravens. They squeak out a home win against the Browns. They, they're, all, they're, the, like, they're defining win of the year is the Chiefs win in week three, which a lot of teams have fucking. I mean, even before that, they squeak out a win in week one against Washington. Whatever. You're on the road. It's week one. That to me was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. The Chargers win this game. Everybody thinks it's a trap game. They come back home week two. They lose to the Cowboys. Then they get their Chiefs win. Then they get their Raiders win. It's like it's 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 unbelievable. I mean, the the losses. The Cowboys lost week two. The getting pissed and shit on by the Ravens. The losing at home to the Patriots and the losing at home to the Chargers. It's. I mean, I don't hate the Patriots loss. You want to hear a take? The Patriots sure. are contenders to make the Super Bowl. I'm going to go that far now. I, I, I think the way I, we talk about defenses, the way their defense is playing, and if they can, if these are all ifs, if they can run the ball like they did yesterday, I mean, I'm sure some Bengals fans are going to argue with me. The demise of Bill Belichick after one year of rebuilding it was overblown. No. Yeah. I, I know some Bengals fans will argue with me. I, I, to me, it's not even close. I know Jamar Chase is having a record breaking year. Mac Jones is the rookie of the year. 
in my opinion, hands down. Interesting. Hands down. Hands down. They went seven and nine last year. They're already six and four. He makes throws. Dude, he makes great throws. I, I think he's going to have, a, I think he has a huge upside. I know it's half of one season. I, th- I think in that system, under Belichick, under, uh, who's their offensive coordinator? Why am I forgetting his name? McDaniel. Under Josh McDaniels. I mean, I, I, I think, I, I think, he, I think he really is. I think he's the difference maker in between last year's team and this year's team. And, and they have, now they have to play Buffalo two but more they, times. Now they, but like, and, and this was the thing about, you know, it culminated, it was a simultaneous thing where obviously Brady goes to the box team, a, a team that is arguably a quarterback away before he gets there and then adds pieces and then wins the Super Bowl. That's why it's, it's like Bill Belichick absolutely gave Cam Newton a one-year deal. He knew they were doing a one-year placeholder, get a quarterback, start the whole process over, and here we are. Yeah. And by the way, none of that takes anything away from Brady. I, I, I always say it's it's both people. I, I've never been a, it's one more than the other. It's Brady more than Belichick. It's Belichick more than Brady. They work together. Great coaches work with great quarterbacks. Walsh, Montana. I mean, you, you see it. Like, it works. But I, I really like what they're doing. And I don't know. I, I've obviously I watched their games. And but their defense has been even has been far superior to even Mac Jones. Their defense has been yes. incredible. Defense has been great. That's what I'm saying. And obviously they have two games left with Buffalo. They and go they against have- the Browns, you know, limited in their weapons, shut them down really easily. Baker now injury prone Baker Mayfield once again on the sideline. Well, he he actually really wasn't. He he got his first like big injury this year. So, and then and also missed, came back and now is on the sidelines again with an injury. Yeah. But I think I think he's a I think he's a tough quarterback. Doesn't mean he's good. I think he's tough. You hate Baker. If we if we, if we switch spots now. No, I don't hate Baker. I was very I, critical of Baker. I, I, I don't hate Baker. I don't hate Baker at all. I'm just like you know. Baker's a great example of a guy. I mean, this is, it is what it is. It's like Baker is exactly what he is. We've seen what Baker is so far. Can you win a Super Bowl with Baker? I don't know. Here's what I've always said. That's the first question that I have to answer. That's to me as the head coach or the GM of a football team. That's the question I have. Do, can you, can you win a Super Bowl with this guy? Could you, if everything was in place, Baker has not shown me one way or the other. I'd argue you could. Okay. I'd argue I have not seen any, anything from Baker Mayfield that says he could win four playoff games in a row. Nothing. Just in terms of consistency, especially consistency against the best teams, which is what you face when you're in the playoffs. But Baker, I mean, he's really funny in those commercials. So like, we're not going to criticize him. We're not going to, I think, you know, he, I think he gets it. a lot of criticism. I think, I think you're wrong on that assessment. I mean, I mean, I mean, they're, they're, oh, I'm I, talking I, about, I'm talking about, you know, the team saw, isn't going to criticize him. I saw We're multiple not articles anything. today saying he's not the future from different sites. So I think a lot of people are, they're not team Baker. And, and, and I, listen, I, and listen, it's great. It's not like he 
had legal troubles in college. So like, there's no baggage with him. You know, he's a straight shooter. He's a good guy. There's no baggage, you know, that's good. He didn't like, he didn't leave one school to go to another. Like, you know, he didn't have like a bad falling out anywhere. He's a good dude. It's like, you got to stand by the guys who are just solid people. haven't broken the law. Well, I know what you're doing. And first of all, I, I was never a fan of them drafting Baker number one. And I've been very critical of Baker. And, and I know this is, this has nothing to do with, with OBJ. I, I think that's the question that they have to determine as an organization if they want to keep him or cut him. But I want to pose a question to you. We're talking about the Patriots. So obviously, a lot of times it goes back to Tom Brady. The Bucs looked really bad yesterday in Washington. Who do you think goes farther in the playoffs? Because the AFC is so crazy that like I wouldn't be shocked if the Patriots made a push. And the NFC is so top-heavy, right? Where right. the Bucs could draw good luck against any of those top teams. But right now, again, and this is what is so important, it does look like, I mean, unless something happens, you can, like, I mean, I know it's six and three and six and four, but like, do you like Buffalo to win the AFC East or New England? I still like Buffalo. And Tampa Bay is still likely to win the NFC South. Yes. So, you know, that's also a factor of just the division. I mean, right now, though, you would have a two seven game you'd have a six three game right now though they would host tampa bay would host the rams at home that's what i'm saying right but also you know new england would have a baltimore team at home but uh, sorry new england would have a baltimore team on the road obviously tough games yeah so I think it really comes down to, you know, it, it's hard to say, but I think it really comes down to the draw and if if those teams end up winning the division, which right now I would still predict Buffalo to win the division and Tampa Bay to win the division. So then it really depends on the draw. I'd say it's a coin flip. Yeah. But if that was the games, I like, I like the Rams, the, I like the, Patriots chances of upsetting the Ravens more than I like. I still, I still like this Rams team. Sure. I think that they're, they're I think that they're doing exactly what I think the Odell Beckham thing is exactly on brand for them. It's super bowler bust. Let's get the Von Millers. Let's get the guys. Let's get the Odell's. Let's get the guys who other teams are letting go of and what all the star power and baggage and cancerous tumors that come with them. Let's go all in. I know Jalen Ramsey's win loss record. Wasn't like awesome on the Jacksonville Jaguars, but they took a chance. Again, apples to oranges. Every time. Look, I'll be curious, man. I, I, I keep saying it. I'll be curious how he plays out. It's tough for you, right? Because you're like, well, he, he might low do great. key a Rams fan, but like you could also abandon, but like the Chargers aren't playing well. Your boy's no. getting shut out on the road. Like, yeah, now you're now 
Odell on your Rams, like you, you're spinning. I mean, it seems like we're, it seems like the Andy Ruther fandom ship might be porting in new England. Once again, no, no, I, there, there's, there's no fandom. I, you create these, these weird stuff. Like I hope the Rams do great. I hope the Rams do great. Like I said, there's a reason I picked them to cover the spread tonight. I hope they do great. I think they have a great team. I'm on, I'm on your side. I think the Rams overall have the best team, the most talented team. Now, obviously, any given Sunday and upsets happen. I think I think from top to bottom, offense, defense, special teams, I think the Rams are the best team. I think there's teams right there, but I, I'd put them slightly above. You know, there's team, there's tough teams to figure out, like Tennessee. I, what do we make of Tennessee? They've won six in a row. You can't deny that. No. They're winning games ugly. They don't have their star running back. They didn't have I mean, Julio I think Jones. That's the thing. It, like, Again, you know, we go back to these conversations and like this is, you know, this is essentially what the the Rams in doing the all the deals that they're doing, obviously Odell being the latest, what they're what they're doing is they stockpile playmakers because in the end you face all these good teams, you're gonna need like the Titans are a great football team and have overcome the loss, but like come playoffs. I mean, think about the runs that they've had, it was there. Like we have, we have Derrick Henry full on taking over playoff games in the fourth quarter. I just like, as, as much as I like them, it's like without Derrick Henry, it's like, I don't love four straight wins. Well, if they get the one or seat. three straight wins. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I love any without Derrick Henry. Truthfully, you get the freebie if you're the one seed, right? Sure. But then you but get right t- now they're two games up on the two. They have two more wins than every single other team in the AFC. Yeah. It'd be I just, interesting. I mean, that you have you have the Texans. I mean, I guess that the, the, the test, right, is two weeks on the road in Foxborough. Because you're going to stockpile. Uh, besides that, you get a win against the Texans. You get a win against the Jaguars. You probably get a win against the Steelers. Niners, Dolphins, Texans. That's the end of the run. I mean, they could be 14 and three. Yeah. But the That's, test is you go to Foxborough on the road against in, a good defense. In November. Yeah. Against a good defense. Against your former mentor. That Steelers game was an abomination yesterday, and I couldn't stop watching it. To lose a suicide pool on a tie. Oh. Which. Oh, I'm sorry. I lost it it in heartbreaking fashion for two reasons. One, I picked it early in the week, and then because I was on the road, I didn't adjust for the fact that Ben Roethlisberger was out, which I absolutely would have. Of course, you don't take whack-a-mole in a suicide pool. And then they on a tie. I mean, this quarterbacks looked so bad yesterday. Everybody, every single person in that game looked bad. The receivers couldn't catch the ball. Defensive backs dropping picks, fumbles. I mean, how many fumbles were there in overtime? There's a lot. Jared Goff is so bad. I understand the elements, and it was. 
like we had that here in Cincinnati. It, it, it's yesterday was just a shit day. It was really cold. It was rainy. And we had that too. And then the rain turned into a bunch of snow. Like it looked like Pittsburgh was having the same thing where it was just, it was crap weather for sure. And windy, but still you can't tie the lions. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Like if you're a Steelers fan, I I choke myself with that terrible towel. And what's unbelievable <clears throat> is the Lions have an 0-16 season in their history. They could potentially have an 0-16-1 season in their history as well. <laughs> I want it to happen so badly. I want it to happen so badly. I never thought of that. That's pretty funny. It's, I mean, that's the most Lions thing ever. They don't lose, but yeah. they don't win. Right. I don't know what happened on that field goal. It was a 48 yard. Like it wasn't that far. He kicked at 35 yards <laughs> on the line drive. He, 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 he a soft line out to second base. Oh my God. Uh, looking at the guy, did you ever think he was going to make it? I know. I was like, there's no way I was, texted. I was under the, I was under the impression that I was like, Oh, okay, well don't make it. Cause if I tie, I survive, but. Well, I, was I text- never thought he was going to make it. I knew they were going to win. I was texting with Tyler Hawkins, who does our, our analytics. And he's like, I, he was like, I think he's I'm like, dude, they're not going to win. Like lions will, I said, I verbatim the text lions will lie in this game when they were up. I just, I just, I knew. I mean, to be honest, I, you know, I, I, I hate watch Jared Goff at this point. And for me, and what's the guy the guy's career records. Exceptional, even with this year. What's this guy got to prove for you, Andy? For me, I'm going to ignore that comment. For me, yeah, you should. It's almost a disgrace. Like the Rams had to give up first round picks for this guy. Like, like I'm being serious in this. So let's talk about somebody who lived off their number one first round draft status. Like the guy who's, I'm sorry, number one overall. Like the Rams should not have, like, th- that's how bad he is. He's trash. I don't know what the equivalent is. Like he, he's a guy like Sean McVay hid all his weaknesses so well, so well. I mean, if Sean McVay is the coach, he's never even, he's never even drafted by the. No, no, no. He, yeah. He inherited that mess from fucking Tevis Fisher. And speaking of Tivas, real quickly, no, thank Fisher you. Was, Fisher was flip-flops. Okay. Thank, thank you, Falcons. Thank you. I mean, unbelievable. Three points? Three points. They were down, what, 33 to three and a half? Thank you for just completely not showing up for me when I needed you to cover a spread. I mean, listen, at this point, I've made it very clear that picking them in our head-to-head is, is suicide. Is direct, but like for you to be participating in a pick-six league, like how are they I, even in the mix? What are you I, doing? That's just, that's kind of just reckless. I, I no longer bet money on the Falcons anymore. I mean, it was reckless. It was reckless. I just I saw some of these spreads. You know what's even worse? I had Buffalo and I changed it. Why? I thought we covered. 
on the show extensively that that the the Jets couldn't even cover against the fucking Colts. I know. Well, I did terrible this week. I only got five games right in our uh, in our picks. I, I I just I gotta trust. I gotta trust myself better. Like I had Chargers as well. But the irony is, you know who did cover for me? Jacksonville and the Lions. Because those well, those spreads moved a lot. Right. Or as far as the Lions one did. I mean, the, the, the Falcons. The sad thing is the Falcons are right there in the play, like to make that final. That seventh playoff position really has changed it. That it's going to go all the way to the end. Yeah. But yeah, the 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 Falcons. Also, also, you saved yourself. You saved yourself two in our head to head with your boy, just taking a wet shit in Lambo. Oh, Ross! Yeah, he played terrible. He looked terrible. Luckily, you knew. Luckily, you you have a, a weekly video conference call with Mister Unlimited, where he told you he was very limited. So you bet against him. You knew better than me. Yeah, he played terrible. Those those picks were bad. He was very limited. I mean, I like him though. I still like him, but it's gonna be tougher than to make a playoff push. It's gonna be his first losing season. You know, wins and losses they do matter, Joe. Yeah, it'll be it'll be his first losing, but like he might still have a personal winning record. You can't count those Geno Smith losses against them. Although you should, because for a quarterback, the best ability is availability. Yeah, we discussed that. Yeah. Right? I mean, they don't stick with Gino, right? After that performance? Wait, what? They don't go back to Gino after that performance, do they? I mean, mean, that's a little uncalled for. Hey, they've improved defensively, Seattle, for sure. But... Yeah, it's, it's it's not the year. And and Aaron Rodgers looked pretty good. I knew he would. You know, after everything. Yeah, we were never worried. We were never worried about how Aaron Rodgers would look. Uh, I think some people were. I mean, he he was under the gun the last few weeks. That's unlike anything he's ever faced. Ever. I don't know if you heard Romo talking about it. it, it it's a different type of pressure that he's that he's under. You know, yeah, I was never worried about his meant to say like he's he's been under like he there's media firestorms about him. Like it's one of those things where the when he's not shown up to preseason, whatever, like that day one back, he's not answering any more questions about this than he would be answering about anything else. You know what I mean? It's like when you there's only so many questions you can answer in your locker post practice or whatever. And he's been maxed out for a few years. Just the topic changes. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just felt like that. I mean, that's such a polarizing topic. Also, I mean, this is great. Like in the off season when he starts his podcast, it's gonna fucking be huge. Yeah, that's the real winner of all this is Pat McAfee's podcast. Yeah, that he's continuing to do it. That Aaron is continuing to give him one day a week. Like that's the real winner. Of and we love the, Pat. Which was an interesting Reddit forum. I don't know if you saw that. No, or some dirtballs coming at Mr. McAfee. As not, they're not fans. Yes. Oh, I like Pat. 
and also saying, I mean, I don't do, I don't do eight hours of Pat McAfee every day. I, 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 and to be fairness, I actually never listened to McAfee except for, uh, except for, uh, Rogers. Well, there was some claiming that we give him the benefit of the doubt because he's been on our show. The benefit of the doubt on what? That we like him. And I said, I I said, I I think he's a great guy. I like him as a guy. And, 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 and I don't, it's not like I go out there standing for McAfee. I criticized him for, I thought, letting Rogers off the hook by not answering, not asking him certain questions when he had him on post, you know, uh, post COVID. But I said, I like him on and off air. And that's the truth. I think, I think, you know, from just that day interacting with him, I think, I think he was a great guy. And even I, I, maybe I'm more lenient. I give him more of a pass. Cause I just, he just he doesn't want to get political. That's not his no, thing. That's and, fine. And I, and, and that, that was my criticism of him, you know, that I think was valid is there's nothing political about saying, Aaron, we love having you on the show. I let, you know, my, you know, the big thing is I ask you questions, you give me answers. I trust that you're being honest. Uh, it does make me feel a little weird now that I have you on every Tuesday and I ask you questions and that you could say yes to something and you really mean no, or you yeah. could say no to something and you really mean yes. Howard Stern can be best friends with somebody. He's not letting somebody, uh, you know, who just lied on national television and got caught for it, come on and not being like, Hey, you lied. Let's talk about how you're a liar and get that out of the way. Yeah. Which is the only thing I criticized him of. And I listened to the entire thing and softballs otherwise is again to be standard for a guy who gives you an exclusive Tuesday weekly interview with the best arguably the best quarterback in the NFL a hundred percent you have to do there's there's a part of the media that's playing ball with the guys you know you scratch my back I scratch yours but you know that's why I like McAfee I like the stuff I watch of him my only credit, I, but at the same time, I'm not going to pull my punches where, you know, if I think you just didn't ask a guy about being a liar when you have him on every week, I think that's, you know, yeah, a bit, I think, I think it was a little bit soft. Which is fair. It's totally fair. You know, what's really soft, Joe, my new Indochino chinos. <laughs> Indo chinos. You got you pants. Like, how do you like that segue right there? You didn't see that one coming. I, I do. I, I I got a new I got a new pair of chinos from Indochino. And uh you, you know what I like about it is that they're they're navy blue. I wear a lot of sweatpants. Let's let's you know this. I have yes. been I have been ripped on not just by you, some of my family members have been like, Jesus, Andy, can you put, can you just wear something that's not sweatpants? Can you act like you want to go somewhere, look decently nice? So I, I have to say, my, my new chino is from Indochino. Give me that, that upgrade look that says, Hey, I'm not just about sweatpants all the time. And, uh, there's and not ne- to be confused, there's not a subsection of their company called Indo Shirts. It's still Indochino, but I got an Indochino shirt from them that's also very soft and actually monogrammed with my initials. Oh, love it. There's never been a better time to upgrade your look, guys. Indochino's Black Friday event has their lowest prices of the year on suits, shirts, outerwear, and more. Plus, you'll save even more using code DIRTY. And uh, like Joe said, you can personalize it. We have worked with them before, so our measurements were already in the system. 
But if you don't have that, like we had, you can get everything personalized online or in person at a store. So Indochino offers completely custom fitted suits, shirts, casual wear, and more at surprisingly affordable prices. Get a wardrobe personalized to your style and taste without spending a fortune. The best part, Indochino suits start at just $299 and search from $45 with all customizations included. So get away from the video calls and back into looking and feeling amazing. Indochino's Black Friday event runs from November 8th, that's right now, to the 29th. See even more and get, sorry, see, save even more and get $50 off any purchase of $399 or more by using promo code DIRTY at Indochino.com. That's $50 off a purchase of $399 or more at indocino.com. Promo code dirty. Okay. Andy, I, uh, you know, we were talking about our boy Pat McAfee. I opened my Twitter. Pat McAfee is at the top of my thing. And it's a lit, it, it's a thread that he's put together. And I'm not going to do, we're not going to steal his entire show, obviously. But the thread is like overreactions. It's all these different questions about the NFL. But just one jumped out at me as I would like the answer from Andy Ruther. And that is, do, is it time for the Seattle Seahawks to start over entirely? Move on from Pete Carroll, get value out of a Russell Wilson. Start over. It's a great question. I don't know. Has it run its course? I, I would I would entertain arguments from both sides. Um, it might be good for Russ to go somewhere else. Pete Carroll, he's been great. I feel like those guys are a combo package, right? What if one goes, the other goes? Yeah, I think I don't know. Part of me thinks you get rid of Carroll. You know, he drafted Russ. He he's the one who took the chance after they signed Matt Flynn and chose the guy he drafted, you know, which remember at the time that was like yeah. a big deal. Yeah, of course. I almost think they're a combo package. If you get rid of one, you get rid of the other. I, I almost argue the, the argument for is just how good the NFC West is. And it's like, you're, you know, are you suddenly going to put pieces around Russ and with Pete Carroll, given all the finances of it and everything where you're going to be better than the Rams next year or better than the Cardinals next year. Well, look, offensively, they have pieces. Carson's always getting hurt, but they have pieces, you know, wouldn't you agree? I'm sorry. You might've, I think you might've blanked out today. Yeah. You blanked out on me too. Oh, I was like, why are you staring at me? Uh, I, I, what I said is, uh, cause you could certainly get a lot for Russell Wilson right now in terms yeah, of, yeah, the, yeah. The, you know, how good the NFC West is no matter what you do, do you somehow put a team together that makes them better than the Rams or better than the Cardinals? Well, well one that, yeah, good luck. And two, I mean, so this is his 10th year. Like, like, where do you reset to find a franchise quarterback? As we know, is so tough. You and I might disagree about Russ, but he's still gone to two Super Bowls. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. 
But then the question is, could he possibly do that? Like, could you possibly put a team around him again in not only 10 years, but also remember he's, he came in late. I mean, I don't know how old he is. I think he's 30. No, not 30. No. Jesus. He, uh, that's terrible. About he's 30. He'll be 33. Yeah. Look at Russ. He'll be 33 yeah. soon. He'll be 33. It's amazing. He'll be 33 three days after me. And he was born in Cincinnati. Were you in the hospital at the same time as <laughs> Russell Wilson? No. But this is interesting. This explains no. so much. I never knew he's from Cincinnati. The, the over-the-top no, 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 love. Oh, my God. This is crazy. No, no, no. He was born in Cincinnati. This is yeah. wild. Yeah, I know. No, hold on. This is nuts. He grew up in Richmond, Virginia. He was born in Cincinnati. He was born at the same hospital I was born at. What are the odds? So I just said. The Christ Hospital. So he's three. Yeah, but I'm set. I'll be. So on November 26th, I'll be 40. On November right. 29th, he'll be 33. I mean, he's got, obviously he's got a few good years left in him. But like, let's say you have a 33-year-old quarterback, right? I know that things are changing. I know he's Mr. Unlimited. And Tom Brady's playing till he's 50 and whatever. But like, what's, let's say you're just, let's say you're just the, forget Russell Wilson, forget the specifics of the player. What do you put the cap on? We've got to win by this year of eight. Like you're going like we have a five-year window. 38. Yeah. Uh, maybe four. I mean, 37. I mean, Matthew Stafford turns 34 in February. They're about, they're right around the same. They're about a year right. apart. Right. And the Rams clearly not going with a five-year plan. <laughs> clearly. So you're going with a five weeks from now plan. I, I just, I don't know how the financials work for Seattle. That's what's huge. Like, I don't know how you can make it work for the defense to get better. Uh, you know, I, I think the offense is fine. The defense always just starts out so slow. They have a big contract with Jamal Adams. And I actually like that. I think Jamal Adams is great. I thought he looked great yesterday. I don't know. I don't know. It's tough. They might have missed their window. We'll see. As you know, the, the, this is so great about the NFL. Things are changed so quickly year to year, man. Who knows? I mean, we're already talking about, like, I'm not going to be shocked. If, the Bucs were my pick to make it back to the Super Bowl, but I wouldn't be shocked if they lost the first round game. And then what does Brady do? You know, who knows? My predictions were a Rams Chiefs Super Bowl and a Packers Browns AFC Championship, NFC Championship opponents. I like three out of four, and I am now officially out on my Browns pick because I don't know how to handle having talented wide receivers. It's too much for them. I'm out. It's now Bills. But, but, but hold on, Joe. Like, all jokes aside. When that video is released, yeah, that that ship has sailed for him being on that team. I mean, I, again, I, I think that was the 
entire point, I would say. Okay. So then, so then what, so what are we questioning? We have to, we have to agree with the decision that it worked out for both parties for him to leave. Oh, it certainly worked out for him. He's not on the Rams and not the Browns. I think that works out. I think that's an upgrade no matter what. Honestly, I'd say that's an upgrade no matter how each of them do in the playoffs. But they, they, they weren't even, I don't know if you know this, they weren't even, they weren't even running. He wasn't even in the offense, man. They weren't even running plays. Like it goes way beyond Baker Mayfield. They did some deep analysis even before, even before all that came out. I think it was pro football talk. Like they weren't even running plays for him. In the- this is precisely my point. And, and honestly, how, how the Rams got into the mix. It's how they got into the mix when he wasn't on the list, when they weren't on the list of teams. Cause they said, Hey, here's how we would use you in an offense. You're a guy who's a slant and three yard slant and run away from a touchdown and give a moment. Here's what we would do. We wouldn't use you as a, you know, diversion to try to get Njoku the ball more. That's not what we're bringing you here for. Let's get to some dirt ball calls. I I, uh, I have a lot sitting in the uh, the queue, so to speak. I I tweeted something out similar to this, so I'm going to play this call. I think this is an interesting conspiracy discussion. Hey, what's up, Joe and Andy? It's uh, Dirtball Jimmy. Haven't talked to you guys in a while. Had the best time when I came through and I watched all Sunday football games with you. But uh, I'm just taking you guys' offer up to talk about how bad the taunting penalties are. Um, I really do believe that the taunting penalties are a new way to rig games. Obviously, the Monday night game with the Bears and the Steelers was a terrible instance of it. And uh, I also want to hear what you guys think about um, the Giants-Chiefs game where Elijah Penny got penaltied and called for taunting on a first-down reception that would have significantly changed the game. I think it is completely rigged, and um, this is a new way to, you know, for Vegas to have games go certain ways. And... um, uh, that's basically it. It's, I don't like that games are being determined by a judgment penalty. And also, condoms are for the fucking Dallas Cowboys. I 100% agree with him. Let me just say that right out of the gate. In terms of, yes, I absolutely think this is a way to rig outcomes or to push outcomes in the direction that's that some powers that be would want it. But I would argue if you look at it has way less to do with Vegas and way more to do with the NFL. How does the giants and and that was another egregious one. Eli Penny did the first down thing. Yeah. I remember the first down thing. How does the giants getting a third win in that situation help the league? It doesn't. How does the Chiefs getting a win help the league? Two weeks later, they're back in first place. And everybody I mean, the loves Chiefs, to watch the Chiefs. The Chiefs lose to that Giants team. We're in, they're in a whole different spot right now. They're not in first place. The Giants, you could even argue from a you could even argue from an NFL standpoint. 
it's really important to you that the Chiefs win every week and the Giants lose every week because the Giants are historically, you know, popular franchise being from the number one market in the world and going like, hey, let's get them back to relevancy as soon as possible. We want them to have high draft picks. We don't want the Giants going six and eleven. This doesn't this is this is mediocrity is the absolute last thing we want for teams. Then you have a Bears Steelers game. Where are the Bears going? The Bears don't make a playoff push if they win that game or they don't win that game. Steelers, meanwhile, another team, very popular. Another team, storylines that make postseasons entertaining. I would argue that this is a that that the rigging look at how it helps the league, not how it helps the bookies. Yeah, well, I like how I use the term your judgment calls. Yeah, so this isn't an offsides, you know, which, which is standard or blatant pass interference. I don't know, man. It's it's it, it. Look, I'm not saying these are true, but it makes you wonder. It really does. You also tweeted yesterday that games are rigged. So, like, you you know, you're you you're you're dabbling in this conspiracy. I'm dabbling. I got my toe in the water. I'm playing a little game of just the tip for sure. I mean, it's not like first of all, it's not like we haven't seen this in modern sports. Like the Donaghy thing is proof that it can absolutely happen, right? Yeah. I would argue that the NFL way more likely to be rigged than the NBA. Oh, a hundred percent. We have no clue what's going on in that earpiece. Right. hundred. The NFL is the easiest game to rig. hundred percent. Do you guys have any, uh, any insight into this? Call the hotline 310-359-8365. Uh, we have a call for you, Joe. Great. From uh, Randy Ruther. Randy Ruther. Big Cincinnati Bengals fan. Yeah. Having a tough run of it lately. Oh, he's calling to gloat a little. Is he? Yeah, for you. Oh, no. Did the Bengals win this week and I missed it? Hey, fellas, uh, Randy Ruther calling in here. I uh, just wanted to say to uh, Joe Piranha, Joe Parmesan, Penis Cheese, whatever his name is, uh, how about them Bengals, bud? We got a W on our bye week, huh? Can Randy Ruther get a hootay? Well, you know, it, it was a good week for the Bengals because look at it. Baltimore gets trounced in Miami. Browns get trounced in New England and the Steelers tie. Yeah. It was a great week for the Bengals. This is this current state of the Bengals. Th- thank you. This is the current state of the Bengals celebrating the week off. Yes. We didn't lose. We didn't lose. To win, win another off week. So the Bengals have to play the entire AFC West still, which will be interesting. The AFC North is going to be really interesting. Oh yeah. I mean, you look at that. You look, oh, yeah. look if you if you go through their schedules in general, I mean, next week the Browns have the Lions. 
Okay, so we can we can kind of chalk that up to that a win, right? It's pretty safe to say these will be one of the ones where uh, you know Baker Mayfield shows out and it's the it's the wide receiver, the missing wide receiver, the not that cancer gone that makes him play so well against the Lions at home, where he's favored by ten, and then they have Ravens, Ravens back to back with a buy in between. Then they have Raiders, Packers, Steelers, Bengals. It's tough. I mean, let's say you chalk them up to a win for the Lions and a win for the Raiders. Just start there. They have a tough it's it's going to be tough for them to go 8 and 9. Sure. They would have to beat the Ravens once, the Packers, the Steelers, or the Bengals. Then you got the Bengals who like you said have the AFC West left. They've got the Raiders next week, then the Steelers, then the Chargers, then the Niners, Broncos. That's your little easy run right there. Then they finish off with Ravens, Chiefs, Browns. Ravens have the, you know, Ravens at least come back with the Bears, Browns. I mean, it's tough. They basically all have the Packers left. The Ravens have the Rams left at home. Yeah, it's tough. That that Ravens you have a Steelers lost. winning the division? No, I still have the Ra- that Ravens loss was bad though. They look terrible. Steelers have Chargers, Bengals, Ravens, Vikings, Titans, Chiefs, Browns, Ravens. And that entire stadium in LA is going to be Steelers fans. By the way, oh that yeah, that's the mo- that's the most expensive tickets I've sold this year for the highest price it was the Steelers game. That's going to be all Steelers fans. I'm telling you, the Chargers must just hate home games because of people like me. Sorry, Justin Herbert. All right, what else we got? I still think the Ravens win that division, though. Okay, we just talked about Vegas. Here's a, here's a question for gambling. Hey boys, crazy eyed Sam Bradford here. Um, so gambling in Arizona, sports gambling I should say, is finally legal and the gambler's rush is strong right now. Um, and I need some advice. So some gambling advice. When do you guys, you know, do your spreads? When do you decide to do an over under? And when do you know when to stay away? And if I could get a lock this week, that would be great. I'm down bad. Condoms are for pussies. Ooh, old school. I think so. This call was before last week, as far as a pick. Well, first of so, all, follow follow the lines. Follow what they open and how they change. So that's what I. That's actually I go pre. I so first thing I do when I'm making bets and like for example, I will start looking at my stuff for this week, this coming week, like as early as this. First thing I do is I cross off a game that I don't like. I just straight up don't like the matchup where I'm like, I don't care what this spread is. Like I cross it off before I know what the spread is. I just go, I don't want any part of this. These two fucking teams. This team's too erratic. This is a division game. This guy doesn't play well here. This guy doesn't play well outside. Kirk Cousins is in prime time. Maybe that's a bad example because a lot of times I'll bet against that. But, um, I immediately cross off games where I just don't like the matchup for whatever reason. 
Then what I do is I try to guess the spread. And I try to guess the spread. And if I see a big difference between what I think the spread is and what this what the spread line has opened at, I will pounce on value early. So if I pick a team I think is going to be, okay, I think they're going to be 10 and a half. And then I, I look at it and they're six and a half or they're seven. Then I go, oh, I love this because I had them as three point more favorites. So I, those are the games where I see immediate differences between my thoughts and the opening line where I will bet a game early. If games are closer to what I thought, then I will watch that line throughout the week. If something changes, like let's say I have a team as three point favorite and it opens at three and a half. Okay. But then the line changes to the point where they're now just a one point favorite. Then I like that game because I had them at three and it moved in a direction that I prefer. So uh, that's kind of what I do. And those will be the, the games I bet later in the week. I don't fuck with over and under as much as a lot of people do. Typically I will play kind of the obvious reverse with over under two super high scoring teams. I like to play the under two super low scoring teams. I like to play the over just because, you know, uh, I like, I like playing against what's kind of the obvious play and over under. And then I will also put over unders into parlays with, with the same game. Like if I like a team with the spread or I like a team to win outright with the money line, but I want a little bit more value on that game. I'll, I'll parlay it with the over under on that game just to give myself value. And that's kind of like my strategy entirely. And I'm all, and I'm a huge money line guy. I also probably the most, the bet I most make playing the NFL is betting on teams that are underdogs that I think are going to win outright. I mean, it's tough, man. Like people, like it's, these games change so much. It, like, especially with the big point spreads. I, I like to go dogs more. In the NFL, I like to go dogs more than not. Those have traditionally been better for me, taking the dogs. With the spread. Yes. Yeah. I like to go dog money lines because it's almost like blackjack. It's like it's your opportunity to double down. Like you get value, you get better than the 50-50 value on it. And if you think that team's going to win, depending on what the point spread is, and and I would say that's probably where I've made the most of my money. But also, you know, I'll do, I won't often bet the money line dog early in the week unless I, again, I see some sort of egregious miss. Yeah. And then also I will, I'll middle my bets. If some, if the line changes to the, if it flips to the point where I don't like it by the end of the week, I'll play the middle. I'll bet, I'll bet the team to cover. Then I'll bet the other team to cover. And I've got both on them on the middle. And then I will also, you know, hedge my bets. If something changes so drastically in terms of, uh, you know, injury or whatever throughout the week, like last week, obviously we had the Kyler Murray and the Ben Roethlisberger and stuff like that. That's the danger of putting your bets in too early, but more often than not, that doesn't happen. Yeah. All right. Majid has called back. Majid. Majid. He, he, uh, you know, dirtballs were liking the response of his SoFi update. So, so he's called again. I think he's trying to go on the road now. I don't know what's going on here. Let's see what he's saying. Hey guys, it's Majid. First off, shout out to all the dirtballs who've been digging my SoFi reviews. And special shout out to my writing and production staff who worked tirelessly throughout the night to provide me with the transcripts to read for you all. 
Now, in regards to the request for me to expand on these arena exploits, I want to say I am willing and able to do so, provided these stadium reviews are accompanied by full nacho rundowns at each stadium. For example, I'll be heading to Kansas City in January, and if any of the dirtballs have connects to Arrowhead, I'd be happy to don red and sample the Andy Reid barbecue brisket nacho supreme. I've got some other trips lined up in 2022, so let me know your thoughts. Sincerely, the editorial staff for Michael Edward Majid's Dirty Sports Voicemails. I think this needs to be, I think this needs to be either a Twitter feed or an Instagram feed or even a blog. I think it's either stadium nachos at stadium nachos or at helmet nachos. I need stadium reviews along with nacho reviews, preferably if eaten at a headwear. Ooh. I like at it. helmet nachos. I think he was making that up, but that sounds amazing. Those Andy Reid brisket nachos. I have a feeling he didn't make it up. You think he Googled that and looked it up? I don't know. All right, we'll do one more call today. What's up, fellas here? It's JT from Jersey. Listen to the last episode when you're talking about Russian mobsters and Italian mobsters, and it just got me thinking, what's your guys' favorite gangster movie? Um, I'm big on Goodfellas, personally. Also, like Pulp Fiction. And uh, obviously, can't forget about The Godfather. So let me know what you guys think. Have condoms or for Joe Bartnick? I mean, this is a tough one. It's tough. I don't even put, I know it's crazy, but I don't. I don't put Pulp Fiction in as much like a, like I don't consider it like a gangster movie. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought of that either. I, I mean, mean it is like I think it does, but like like well, first of all, you know everybody's gonna have The Godfather, the first two, and Goodfellas. I mean, I like Godfather two better than Godfather one. I think most do. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Now, if I had, to I like choose, Casino a lot. Casino's good. Now, if you have to choose between Godfather and like Goodfellas. I'd I'd probably I'd probably take the Godfathers and Goodfellas over Casino. Casino's good though. Yeah. Like I just put I put in best gangster movies and like surprise the stuff that comes up, you know, like Snatch, Boys in the Hood. Like that it's not, you know. A Bronx Tale's up there for me, for sure. Miller's Crossing's really good. Again, the Untouchables is more of a cop movie, if you ask me. Yeah. Um I'm gonna go. Yeah, it's tough. What about American Gangster? I think that's a real good one. Yeah, it's good. It's not my favorite. Where do we put? I mean, Goodfellas as a as like a standalone, as opposed to like God. Like you can't have Godfather two without Godfather one. Yeah, you know, it's like it's tough. I'm taking Godfather one and two as like my first thing. But as like, if I had to do a standalone movie, it might be Goodfellas standalone. I didn't love the departed. I mean, it's good, but it's not like, it's not up there. Whatever. I really like casino. It's a little fucking long. Let's be honest. Oh my God. It's long. Donnie Brasco's really good. But again, like, no, it's kind of a cop movie. 
What about Scarface? Not even close. I wasn't saying close, but like, where do you put Scarface? I mean, let, let me put, let me tell you this. This is just on popular gangster movies. I'm going to run down the list. I'm going to read things that I think are better than Scarface. Goodfellas, The Godfather, The Departed, Casino, The Godfather 2, Donnie Brasco, Reservoir Dogs, American Gangster, Pulp Fiction, Miller's Crossing, Carlito's Way, City of God, A Bronx Tale, huge Bronx Tale fan, by the way. That might be one of my top. I think I feel like we've done this before. I think we have. Eastern Promises, Snatch. Like, I think all those movies are better than Scarface. Yeah, it's I like would. It's, it's fun, but it's a kind of a cartoon. It's like I'm not. Yeah, you know, I understand its place in like gangster movie lore or whatever, and I understand like thing, but like all in all, it's like it's not the best movie. You know what I? Uh, I rewatch. I was so tired, but I fell asleep. But it was you know when I started rewatching the other night. It's on Netflix. I couldn't stop laughing. Don't be a Venice, the Wayne's brothers. Yes. Yeah. 96 movie. It, dude, it's, yeah. it is so ridiculous. If you haven't seen, don't be a menace. I can't, I forget the rest of the title. Yeah. Don't be a menace to South central while drinking your juice or whatever. Like it's so ridiculous. And, and I, and I smoked a little weed too beforehand, which obviously made it funnier. Oh my God. I think that was like the first big Wayans, like with Sean and Marlon Wayans, because it came out yeah. in 96. Yeah. Their first spoof. It's pretty funny. It's really funny. I almost watched Gladiator. I'm glad I didn't do that. Gladiator. I love Gladiator. I haven't watched it for a while, but like you got to get ready for that. Yeah. That's just like. I'm watching forever. Solid flick, though, back in the day. Really good movie. All right, those are the calls. 310-359-8365. Follow us on the socials at The Dirty Sports. Drop a podcast review and leave those Twitter and Instagram handles, and I will send you some koozies. I'll be reaching out. I'll be sending those out this week, I promise. Uh, You can follow me at Joe Prano on all social media, um, except for Twitter, of course, where I am. At Fix Your Life. I uh, shout out to all the dirt balls, by the way. Came out. Austin, good seeing you, buddy, down there in Key West. Came out on uh, on Saturday. Uh, shout out to all the people that made it during the Southeast trip. John Smith and uh, Austin, bookending it, and everybody else in between. Off the road for a little while. Uh, back in um, LA for a bit. Got some shows on my website at joeprano.com. Got a show this Friday up in Hollywood. Got uh, got some shows in the next month down in the South Bay. And got uh, a bunch of things that I will be announcing soon. So stay on joeprano.com or stay on my Instagram as I usually put all my show announcements there and come out to see me live. All right. Well, that is the show. As always, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back on Thursday. And most importantly, stay dirty.